Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Fridays, gearing up for my trip down to Athens for the big Tennessee-Georgia game. I'll break that down. We also have Alabama on the road at LSU. I would argue those are the two most consequential games, although Clemson's also on the road against Notre Dame. I'm just not a believer that Notre Dame's going to be able to provide much in the way of opposition. Break all those stories down for you. Give you the latest on the midterm races as we sit here four days until the midterms. Many of the gambling markets seem to have basically solidified uh, as we sit here four days out. Uh, Paul Pelosi details continue to come out about this strange story uh, involving his attack. We will discuss Kyrie Irving, been suspended for five games over uh, anti-Semitic comments uh, or failure to condemn anti-Semitism. We will discuss that as well. All of that rolling your direction. Uh, If you are going to be in Athens and you want to come swing by and say hi to us, I will tweet out our location on uh, Saturday and uh, I will be doing hits for Big Noon kickoff at 10.50 a.m. Eastern and 11.50 a.m. Eastern as well. Both of those as a part of the Big Noon college football program pregame show, which you can see on Fox every single Saturday from 10 to noon Eastern. But we begin with the biggest games going on this weekend in college football. Tennessee going on the road against Georgia. Credit, by the way, to Hendon Hooker for getting an endorsement deal with French's Mustard. Uh, You will recall that the uh, mustard bottle that was thrown during last year's Ole Miss-Tennessee game and how it became immediately iconic. Tennessee starting quarterback Hendon Hooker now getting his own mustard deal Uh, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, That is going to be a lot of fun to break down. I'll probably share it on social media, some of the pictures of that. But again, Tennessee on the road against Georgia. And to me, this game boils down to one question. If you told me I had to break down one question, uh, it is this. Can Tennessee's defense get off the field enough times to win this game because I have a lot of confidence that Tennessee is going to score 34 more points. I just do. Hendon Hooker is playing at an elite level. You've got uh, Jalen Hyatt now playing as well as any wide receiver in America. Cedric uh, Tillman, who was the best receiver for Tennessee before he got injured, may still well be the best receiver for Tennessee. And Brew McCoy, Those are three NFL wide receivers all playing at a high level. Tennessee's offensive line has been blocking fantastically well, giving Hendon Hooker time to make plays. Tennessee runs the football really well. The Vols are going to score, okay? Doesn't mean that you can't turn the ball over, although Hendon Hooker's been very good at protecting the football. Uh, Tennessee's going to score, and I think they're going to score 34 or more as they have in every game so far this year. So the question then for the Georgia Bulldogs is, can Tennessee get them off the field or not? And I don't know the answer to that. And I think to a large degree, it will depend on how well Tennessee can defend the incredible talent that Georgia has at linebacker. 
Uh, I have no idea whether Tennessee can defend these, uh, the, sorry, these tight ends, uh, whether Bowers and Washington. I have no idea how they're going to do against them. Uh, Bowers is going to be, uh, you know, first round pick. He's a freak. Top 10 pick, probably. Uh, nobody really matches up that well with him. I have no idea whether Tennessee has playmakers. I will say Stetson Bennett has been erratic. Um, and he hasn't been as accurate as you might expect for him to be at times. Can Tennessee knock him off his spots? Can they manage to keep him in the pocket? Because he's a pretty athletic playmaker with his legs. Uh, can they manage to get off the field on third down? It's going to decide this game. Uh, because I think Georgia is going to have to score 40 to beat Tennessee. But I certainly think that Georgia can do this. Uh, I think this is going to be a shootout game. Um, uh, I, it, 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 by and large, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Ultimately, ultimately, I think Tennessee has a really good chance to win it. I like Tennessee plus the eight and a half. Um, I think Georgia, again, is going to have to score basically 40 to win this game. Can Tennessee get any turnovers? Can they get off the field on third down? That's the deciding factor in this game. I don't think Georgia is going to come out, even though they're very good. Kirby Smart obviously has been an elite defensive coach. I don't think that they're going to shut down this Tennessee offense. I don't think that Tennessee is suddenly going to come out and only score you know, 17 points or something like that. Georgia is going to be able to win 21-17. We're not going to see a game like that, I don't believe. I think Georgia is going to probably have to get to 40 to win. Uh, I think Tennessee will score 34 or more. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun one down in Athens. As big of a game as we have seen in the SEC, maybe ever, frankly, because I think you can argue, given the fact that Tennessee's number one right now in the college football playoff, and given the fact that Georgia is number one in the AP poll, we actually don't have one versus two. We have one versus one. And this one versus one matchup is going to be, I believe, a lot of fun to watch. Cannot wait to be down in Athens with you guys tomorrow. So uh, I'll see you on the broadcast for that one. Alabama also going on the road against LSU. I like LSU in this one. Uh, I think that LSU is playing really well ever since Tennessee went down to the Bayou and whipped them 40-13. to LSU has bounced back, took out Florida on the road by double digits, came back home and truly walloped Ole Miss, a good Ole Miss football team. This number, I believe, is out to 13 and a half, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is a pretty crazy number. Uh, I love uh, uh, I, I, I love LSU here. Uh, I'm going to look up the absolute latest number uh, here on uh, the apps. And right now, Alabama is sitting at, let's see, I think Alabama's still a 13.5-point favorite in this one. Uh, and Tennessee gets an 8.5-point underdog. Uh, I like the Vols plus 8.5, and, and I like LSU. I like both of the underdogs here. I've given you a lot of my picks already, but I like Clemson to beat Notre Dame. Uh, I like Mississippi State to blow out Auburn. I like the over in the Liberty-Arkansas game. I like the under in the uh, Kentucky-Missouri game, and I like Missouri plus the points to win this one outright. Um, uh, so those are among the games that are out there uh, and the picks that uh, I have for you as we get ready for what should be an incredible Saturday tomorrow. Now, we are four days out until the midterm as well. 
uh, four days until the midterm. And you guys know that I have been following aggressively all of the U.S. election odds. And as we break down these election odds, sitting here on Friday going into Saturday, Dr. Oz is your gambling favorite in Pennsylvania. Uh, And you've got uh, Blake Masters is your gambling favorite in Arizona. And you have Adam Laxalt as a substantial gambling favorite in Nevada. Uh, All of those would be uh, Republican pickups. Um, And in Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz remains the favorite. Sorry, Georgia. Pennsylvania would be a keep, uh, a retention for uh, the the Republicans. And then you have uh, right now Herschel Walker moving out to as big of a lead as he has had effectively in this race going all the way back to essentially May. Uh, So all of these would be pickups. Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona would all be Republican pickups. I think, and I made this prediction back for the new year of 2022, I said Republicans were going to pick up 25 seats in the House, and I said Republicans were going to pick up three seats in the Senate. I continue to believe that is very likely. Uh, I've been on this for a year. Also, the race that is next closest in the Senate is now uh, New Hampshire, where General Balduck is surging, and that now is a relatively small favorite for the Democrats in New Hampshire. Four days out, I think a lot of things freeze on Saturday and Sunday because people pivot, pay attention to college football, pay attention to the NFL, Kids all have events and activities that they're responsible for. And effectively, what you're seeing in the gambling markets is both sides are frozen. There's not a lot of movement now. It appears, hey, everybody's put their wagers down. I don't know that there's going to be any major changes from here. And this is the gambling market that we are rolling with into the weekend. Uh, The October surprises do not seem to have really registered in any way. And now we're into November, and a lot of you have already voted. I'm voting on Election Day. Buck Sexton and I are throwing a big election night party. I cannot wait for that. Okay, let me talk about Kyrie Irving for a minute. Kyrie Irving has been suspended for a minimum of five games for sharing a link to a documentary that has been considered to be anti-Semitic that is uh, currently being shared with an Amazon uh, distribution. That is, Amazon is distributing this documentary. And people are convinced that Kyrie Irving uh, broke an unbelievable uh, uh, perspective by sharing this video, broke a cardinal rule of the NBA, evidently. Now, here, let me just be clear. I don't think that any player should be suspended for anything that they say that has to do with their personal opinions. You can agree or disagree with Kyrie Irving on this issue, and I disagree with him. I think that anti-Semitism, much like being racist against gay, uh, sorry, against white, black, Asian, Hispanic, or homophobic, it's just lazy, right? I'm anti all forms of identity politics judgment, as in, oh, I'm going to judge you Uh, as a member of this group, as being less worthy, all right? That's my personal opinion. But I'm more troubled by the idea 
that words are violence that has taken root in American sports. And I said this years ago when what owners said in their private lives became grounds to demand that they sell teams. I said, eventually, this is going to become an issue for players too. Because if the precedent is, if you have ever said something that I don't like, which is the precedent now, we can force you to have to sell your franchise. Sooner or later, that precedent is going to wrap up a player too. And that's what's going on with Kyrie Irving. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment. But first, this. So I disagree with Kyrie Irving's position, but I'm more troubled by the NBA's position of we can suspend you if we don't like your opinion. Particularly, this is particularly the case because the Brooklyn Nets are the team that is suspending Kyrie Irving, and the owner of the Brooklyn Nets is a man named Joe Tsai, who is a Chinese national. believe he's an immigrant that may have dual citizenship right now. I presume that that is the case. I'm not an expert in his immigration status. But what's interesting about Joe Tsai is he is very much plugged in with the Chinese Communist Party. And he has refused to condemn their uh, genocide against the Muslim Uyghur population. In fact, Josiah tweeted, I'm disappointed Kyrie appears to support a film based on a book full of anti-Semitic disinformation. I want to sit down and make sure he understands this is hurtful to all of us And as a man of faith, it's wrong to promote hate based on race, ethnicity, or religion. So my question for Joe Zai, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, is this. If you are suspending Kyrie Irving for promoting hate based on race, ethnicity, or religion, and you say you are a man of faith, why will you not condemn the Chinese government for actually executing and a genocide on the Muslim Uyghur population. Why are you suspending Kyrie Irving for not adequately condemning anti-Semitism, but you yourself will not condemn China's genocide of the Uyghur population? And on top of that, why is no one in the media in the world of sports just about except for me pointing out Joe Tsai's clear issues here. There's a ton, probably a thousand people out there who cover the NBA for a living. Joe Tsai's team is located in New York City. How is no one pointing out that Joe Tsai is suspending Kyrie Irving for anti-Semitism while simultaneously not being willing to condemn genocide of the Muslim population? Why is an owner being held to a lesser standard than a player? Why is the NBA not getting involved here if they claim to care about human rights and basic equality for every religion around the world? Why is Kyrie Irving being suspended 
for alleged anti-Semitic behavior. But there is no requirement that Josiah actually say that he rejects Chinese genocide of Muslims. And ask yourself, why is Kyrie universally attacked and no one almost other than me will even mention Josiah and China? Why is no media other than me out there saying, hey, Josiah, okay, your position is you're going to suspend Kyrie Irving for anti-Semitism. Why don't you hold yourself to the same standard when it comes to genocide against the Muslim Uyghur population? And if Adam Silver is going to sit down and meet with Kyrie Irving to discuss his anti-Semitic behavior, why is Adam Silver not sitting down to discuss with Josiah his refusal, that is size, refusal to condemn Muslim genocide in China. In fact, Zhou Zai is a partner of the Chinese Communist government and he has helped to facilitate actual genocide in China. Now, Zhou Zai, I put it on social media, asked him, easy question, why won't you condemn, why will you not condemn the Muslim Uyghur genocide says nothing, but he has no problem going on Twitter condemning Kyrie Irving. Again, my point here is apply a standard evenly across the board, okay? I don't agree with suspending anybody for words. I've made that clear. In fact, I even go a step beyond that. If you've listened to me for a long time, I don't even like the idea of the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL or any league investigating players for alleged wrongdoing off the court or off the field, period. If the criminal justice system investigates you, that's fine. That's, you are an American citizen, you're subject to the criminal justice system, just like I am. But I don't think that the sports leagues should be in the business of conducting their own investigations and punishing players, and that's when there are actual criminal acts that may be occurring. I certainly don't agree with the idea that if you have an opinion that people decide is unacceptable, that that response should be a suspension. Because I think that actually makes things worse. Now, I don't agree with Kyrie. I agreed with Kyrie on the COVID shots. I disagree with Kyrie on uh, his opinions regarding uh, uh, Jews and the anti-Semitic documentary that he may well have shared. Although I do think it's a fair question to ask Why is everybody mad at Kyrie Irving for sharing a link and nobody asking about Amazon deciding to host the documentary? I think that's a fascinating question. Why are you going after an athlete when you got one of the biggest companies in the world that is actually distributing this documentary? But I do think this is an important, okay? The cure for speech that you do not like is more speech. That used to be a liberal perspective. That used to be something that was widely argued by Democrats. They've now abandoned it. They believe if you share any opinion that they find offensive, you shouldn't be able to share it. This is what Elon Musk is now dealing with with Twitter. They try to cancel you if you believe now in the marketplace of ideas. This is one of many reasons why I think we need a red wave, a red tsunami on Tuesday. 
But we have abandoned. This is longtime belief. The ACLU defended the right of Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois, not because they agree with the Nazis, but because they support the principle of free speech. Now, you can say, well, this is not free speech because government's not involved. That's true. But the precedent that is being set is one that will lead to people being suspended for sharing opinions that are considered to be unacceptable. And so, I'm just asking the question, why is Kyrie Irving being suspended for anti-Semitic comments while Joe Zai has no criticisms leveled at him at all for supporting and allowing the Chinese government to continue Muslim genocide? It's a good question. It's a valid question. Why won't he condemn it? The answer is because China's a communist country and he's afraid of what they will do to him even while living in the United States if he actually speaks out against it. And this is a big deal because Joe Zai was the person who got LeBron James to carry all the water for Chairman Z in China. And don't mistake what's going on here. China has been using American sports leagues as propaganda inside of China using assets like Joe Zai. So why isn't anybody asking these questions in the media other than me? I'll leave that for you to debate, but it is a big and significant issue that discover, deserves more discussion. And you might well wonder why I'm the only person taking part in that discussion. Uh, and if I were, by the way, an athlete, if I'm in the NBA... I might start looking around and asking, wait, why is Joe Zai not speaking out at all about Muslim genocide and there's no punishment for him, but Kyrie Irving says something that's allegedly anti-Semitic and Joe Zai goes on Twitter and immediately suspends him. These are big questions that deal with important precedents in the world of professional athletics and very few people are asking them at all. Uh, positive news. Uh, MSNBC has fired Tiffany Cross. She was the idiot MSNBC host who went on the air and said the reason why the NFL wasn't protecting Tua Tagovailoa was because he was a black quarterback and his head coach was white. Turns out Tua Tagovailoa is actually Polynesian, not black, and that his head coach is actually part black. And so she was wrong on both fronts. And as a result, maybe partly because of that stupidity, MSNBC has actually fired Tiffany Cross and she is no longer a member of the MSNBC team. Speaking of firing, Elon Musk is reportedly in the process of firing half of all Twitter employees and the irony here of what has happened to Twitter is, I really believe this. If Twitter employees had not locked the Babylon Bee's Twitter account for making fun of a biological man who now says that he is a woman, if they had not locked the Babylon Bee's Twitter account for a satirical joke about that, then I don't know that Elon would have ever bought Twitter. So the content moderation team that said the Babylon Bee's account is locked until they apologize for that joke has now all been fired, meaning 
that there is some karmic justice in the world. The people who locked down the Babylon Bee's account over a joke have now lost their jobs because they said the Babylon Bee was not allowed to joke about a man who used to be a woman who now works in the Biden administration. Finally, story that is out there that continues to get stranger. I haven't talked about this a great deal other than on the Clay and Buck show. We said, look, I'm opposed to political violence no matter where it occurs. I'm opposed to violence no matter where it occurs. I want everybody to get along. I don't want anybody to attack anybody else. Uh, But Paul Pelosi on October 28th, I believe it was, was allegedly attacked um, uh, by a guy who they said broke into his house. But earlier today, NBC News on the Today Show ran a report that continues to shed more light on the Paul Pelosi story and raises many questions. And here's what I would say in general. Release the tape of the Paul Pelosi house visit by the police. I don't know why they won't release the body cam footage to show us what actually happened in this incident. Because according to this NBC report, which has since been pulled off the air, by the way, uh, Paul Pelosi opened the door for police when they were responding to his call. So Paul Pelosi was okay and well enough to go walk and open the door. And then after he opened the door, he turned and went back to this other guy. And then that guy then attacked him with a hammer in front of police. So all of this is very strange. And I say just take it out of the Paul Pelosi incident, right? If someone broke into your house and you called the police and the police arrived, wouldn't you immediately go outside of your house and get behind the police and say, go get that guy? Paul Pelosi evidently didn't do that. Now, maybe he was drunk. Maybe he was on sleeping pills. Maybe he was not right in his mind at the time. And that certainly could be a part of this story. But it doesn't make sense at all that if someone broke into your house and if you called the police, and first of all, if you were able to just go walk and open the door for them, that you wouldn't immediately then get behind them and say, go get this guy. Something is not adding up about this Paul Pelosi story. And the easiest thing San Francisco police could do is actually release the video of their officers responding to this incident to make sense of it all. It is not a conspiracy theory to ask questions about public events. This is exactly what I did with the Uvalde, Texas school shooting. I said, wait a minute, this timeline is not adding up. The idea that the police did nothing wrong doesn't make sense. And then you saw, wait a minute, that initial story turned out to not be accurate. Skepticism is what should be the foundation of media. You should ask questions about every possible story out there. And so this idea that you would just pretend that this incident is not occurring um, in a questionable way and accept whatever you are being told by the prevailing authorities right now doesn't make sense at all. I suspect that we will get more details on this incident after the midterms 
because Democrats have tried to use it to tie it to January 6th. I think that's a big political miscalculation anyway because I think people care about inflation, crime, and the border as well as the COVID failures of Democrats. That's what this election is about. Most people don't care about January 6th at all. It was two years ago. It was a riot. Unfortunately, we had a lot of riots two years ago. But it is intriguing that as more details come out, this thing looks more and more suspicious and the details appear to make it look weirder and weirder. As if that were not enough, NBC has now pulled the video of their report from this morning off the air uh, and off their website. So you can still go watch this video on social media, but they continue to try to shepherd what you are able to see. It just doesn't add up. I will be in Athens tomorrow. I love all of you. Four days until the red tsunami. If you haven't already, go vote. Get ready to vote. I am voting in person on Tuesday morning. I cannot wait for the midterms to finally be here, and I cannot wait for Georgia, Tennessee tomorrow, for LSU, Alabama, for Clemson, Notre Dame, and many other games as well. My gambling picks are up at OutKick. I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been OutKick, the show.